All right, friends, uh, we started a new series, and it was so uh, symbolic to us, coming out of COVID, wrestling through all this kind of stuff, and we just dealt with some really deep stuff over the last year, and we had a sense there is a new wind blowing at Summit. It's time to get back on mission for our church to do what God called us to do, why it was started in the first place, and we were here to guide people to know and intentionally follow Jesus Christ. It is time to get back on mission And so we started a series last week called Blessed. We we have been blessed to bless. And we looked at the life of Abraham and how God made a covenant with him way back in Genesis chapter 12 that he would bless him for the purpose of blessing the nations. And we traced some of that stuff all the way through the Scripture. And also we know that those of us in Galatians, we read about this in chapter 4, And in chapter 2, that those of us who trust in Christ are children of Abraham. We are part of the promise, and so that as God blesses us, we continue that promise and that covenant given to Abraham that through the people of God, the nations would be blessed. This isn't just for ourselves. We learned last week we are not to be reservoirs. We are to be rivers where God blesses us so that we bless other people and the nations around us. We're going to continue today. And the first one of the five sort of everyday ways that uh, we get to bless other people, and it is that we begin with prayer. We're blessers, not converters, right? We learned that last week. God has called us to be blessers of people And too often we try to convert people. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to share the good news. It doesn't mean we love people, tell the story of Christ, and do all kinds of things that we're going to learn about over the next few weeks. And it even doesn't mean that we don't offer an opportunity for people to give response to that if they want. But we don't pressure and we don't convert. Whose job is it to convert someone? It's God, the Holy Spirit. And too often Christians have been trying to convert people. We are called to bless people. And so this is a little acrostic of how we are to bless people. And uh, the first of our five ways is that we are to be in prayer. That's what we're going to focus on today. The very first way we bless people is by praying. That we are to be in prayer for people. And we pray for them. And we ask God to bless them. And we're going to figure out some more things that we actually get to do. Being blessed by God enters us into spiritual ministry. It's God's ministry. But his ministry is accomplished using his equipment, his methods, and his ways of operating. It's motivated by a heart that God shares with us for those that don't yet know him. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, he said this, my heart's desire is, and prayer is that they would be saved. It was the heart that he had. Where did that come from? From God himself. When we enter into God's ministry, we don't save people. We don't convert people. We are blessed by God. He gives us this heart, and we are to be operating in ways that are God's ways, not ours. And the first thing we do is pray. It's our number one value at Summit. Prayer, saturated ministry and mission. We pray. It's not our last resort. It's the first great intention that we have. 
The entire ministry or the atmosphere in which we are to bless other people is to be done in prayer. We, when I started this series, you know, when I was reading the book, they talked about this book that we were, you know, sort of get at the main idea for this series was, it talked about begin with prayer. But I didn't like that because, yes, it begins with prayer, but prayer isn't just at the beginning. Prayer is all the way through the entire process. Prayer goes all the way and perseveres. Prayer keeps going. Prayer celebrates when someone responds to Christ. And prayer keeps going that they would grow in him. So, blessing others begins in prayer, continues in prayer, perseveres in prayer, celebrates in prayer. And we see that this was a characteristic of the first church. I'm not going to camp in these verses. I'm going to camp in a small passage, just three verses. But I just want to take you through a quick bounce. The very first church, after Jesus commissioned them and here's what we read about the first church, Acts 1.14. And these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? Prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Very significant right there. His brothers did not believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. His brothers thought he was crazy. You can read about it in the Gospel of Mark. They came to try to take him away from everyone because they thought he was mad, the scripture said. But... They ended up believing. It's just wonderful to see. But they were one in one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. Not just hit and miss, absolutely committing themselves to the fair. In Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, and it talks about this first community of believers, and it says, and they were continually, not just once, not for a season, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Yes, the apostles' teaching, yes, the breaking of bread that we'll do this morning, yes to fellowship, but I want to highlight they devoted themselves to prayer. It wasn't some passing thought. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't once in a while that they felt like it. To devote oneself means to commit, and you are all in, and that's what they did, and that's why we saw God do wonderful, wonderful things. Acts 6.4, the leaders of the church, great needs arose, they came to the leaders of the church, the elders, the, the apostles, and they said, hey, we got a problem here. People are feeling neglected and overlooked. And what did they do? We must deal with this, but it can't be us. We cannot stop praying and word, so let's find people full of the Holy Spirit that have been gifted that way to take care of the practical needs. But we, verse 4 says, will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. When your leaders at this church start focusing more on administration and other things besides prayer, there's trouble. If you're a leader in this church, if you're an elder or a pastor, prayer is your number one responsibility and priority. Prayer and word must trump everything we do. It fuels everything we do. It's not that you don't do others, but they cannot take priority. And when the church, the body... And when the leaders are devoted to prayer, oh, great things happen. Colossians 4, verse 2, in the church of Colossae, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Friends, this can't be a passing, you know, once in a while kind of deal. Prayer must be built into the fabric of who we are and what we do. So be in prayer.
Blessing others begins in prayer, continues in prayer, perseveres in prayer, celebrates in prayer. The Holy Spirit just made it very important that we are to be in prayer. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he gives a two-pronged exhortation to those who do the praying. That's leaders and people. And he's giving a very strong word to them. And I'm going to say right now that most of, maybe not, maybe you're just more brilliant than I, but many people have interpreted it, I believe, erroneously. And I want to posit to you a wonderful way to understand this brief few verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2, here's what we said. First of all, not second, not down the list, not once in a while, of first importance, of priority for the church and followers of Christ. He says, first of all then, I urge you, this is a very strong word in the original, to exhort, to motivate, to stimulate, to move people along. It's very strong exhorting them to action. Church, Christians pray, and there's two things they pray for. I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions. Here's the first thing he says. That prayer is to be made for people and leaders. Prayer is to be made consistently. It's an action. It's very urgent that we pray for all people, not just for yourselves, not just for your family, not just for even our church, although we need to do that. But we are to pray for all people. Why? We bless them when we pray for them. And he even says that we're to pray for kings and those in high position. That's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? We are to pray that God would supply things. We are to spend time in the presence of God. We are to intercede or stand in the gap for these people advocate for them, praying for God to move and work through them, and to full of thanksgiving. And it's to be made on a regular basis for all people and for kings who are in high places. That's the first thing. We are to pray. We are urged, exhorted, you know, prodded very strongly that we are to pray for all people and for leaders. And not just in the church. And here's the second part of that. So he urges them first that we pray for all believers and leaders. And then he says this. Pray first that all these supplications be made for, for, for all people and for leaders. And here's the second that. He urges us that what? That, believe, that believers live worthy of our calling as intentional followers of Jesus Here's the second thing. We pray that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I need you to keep your thinking hats on with me for a second. Please, please understand this. Most people understand this verse to mean that we pray for people and leaders so that we can be at peace and live comfortable lives without hassle, ridicule, opposition, or fear of persecution. That's how most would look at that and see that if you go back, I make all these prayers for people and in kings, and they would say that we can live peacefully 
quiet, godly, and dignified lives. Let me ask you, do you really think that that's what you're being exhorted to do? To pray for these people so that you can have an easy, hassle-free life? Seriously. But that's how many understand this. And I'm going to posit that we are to pray that all these things are done for all people and leaders, and we are urged that we live peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified lives. And why is this important? I'll tell you. Following Jesus isn't meant to be comfortable. It's meant to be life-changing, right? And Jesus never taught that it would be comfortable or convenient. But this is why he says, the better interpretation is that believers are urged to lead a peaceful, quiet, and godly, dignified life like Jesus, not lives that are cantankerous, obnoxious, complaining, ungodly, undignified, negative, entitled, or unbecoming of the one they follow or of the kingdom of God. So, from such lives, those that are living at peace, who are living quietly, unfrazzled in a sense, godly and dignified, from those lives, we are to make this intercession. We are to pray and live as Jesus would if he were today, holy, wholesome, life-giving, godly, dignified, in the midst of a culture that does not believe nor adhere to the ways of the kingdom of God. From lives like that, we pray blessing for all people and those in high positions in government, education, health care, on and on. We're to bless them like that. It's of first importance that in prayer, character matters. Those who are making such supplication and prayer and intercession, it must come from a life that's godly and dignified and at peace. Because without growing character, our motives will be skewed, and worst of all, we would have no credibility in front of a watching world. Does this make sense? I really hope it makes sense to you. God did not charge Paul to tell believers that we were to pray for just everything to be smooth sailing so that we could have a comfortable life. God has not called us to comfort and convenience. He's called us to change and to be life change agents. So the prayers that we're to offer Again, last time, I'm overdoing this. Yes, I know. I know. I can see it in some of you. We are urged to pray, intercede, supplicate, give thanks for all people and for those. And we are urged that we would live this type of life because it's from this type of life that gives credibility and power to those kinds of prayers. If we don't live like that, we lose our credibility, and we don't have any power to see God work. 
That's one of the reasons why Paul said in, first, in Second Timothy, he says that God is, he, we're to pray to be filled with the Spirit because God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, cowardice, but a spirit of power and love and sound mind or self-discipline. Because it takes sound mind or self-discipline to not get caught up in, especially in the church culture today, what we see here, and what we watch on television and in all of the, you know, social media outlets or platforms, how do Christians in North America act these days? Are they gaining or losing respect for what we see on television or what we read about? And so often we are losing our credibility. It takes a power greater than us to not be afraid, to exercise self-control, and, and, and to be loving and pray from lives that are described in this verse, peaceable, quiet, godly, dignified. I trust this makes sense. So church, let's pray for all people, and may those prayers stem from lives that are being transformed. Not perfect, but being transformed with greater degrees of peace, greater degrees of godliness, Christ-likeness. They're dignified and worthy of the Jesus we say we worship. And here's what he says next. He says, this is good and pleasing to God our Savior. Who desires all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This, this urging to pray from lives of that kind of quality, growing in those characteristics, that is pleasing to God. And he desires all people to know him, to be forgiven and restored. But they won't respond to Christ, to those of us who claim to follow him and live in his kingdom that don't live like he describes Or hypocritical and ungodly and obnoxious and unbecoming. See, God desires all people to be restored from their brokenness, healed from their pain, given a fresh start for their mistakes, hope for their despair, healing for their hurts. But if we're not careful how we live, we could actually hinder that process. We could block them, not bless them. In Second Peter, we read that the Lord is patient, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come. That's the heart of God. He's giving everyone space and time to change so that no one is spiritually lost or left out. And there's enough in their lives to slow that process. They don't need our slowing it down and blocking it by our poor character. So the prayers of people who live godly, peaceful, dignified lives are pleasing to God and they're effective to help bless people on their spiritual journey. Get it? That's good. We who believe and are being trained to live such godly, peaceful, and dignified lives, we please God by praying that way. And we need to bless them patiently, faithfully, being in prayer. Jesus did this. He, he would do this. He would pray. He, would, he was being in prayer all the time. 
before Jesus listened and talked to people about the Father, he listened and talked to the Father about the people. That was his pattern. Before he embarked on anything of importance, he began to spend time in prayer. He listened to the Father's voice and acted on what the Father said. He got visions or pictures of what God, he saw what God was doing, and then he carried that out. John was very clear in this. We studied the book of John all last year, remember? He said that, what did Jesus say? I do nothing except what the Lord, what he hears the Father telling him or he sees the Father doing. In the atmosphere of prayer, when he got alone before God, that's where the Father revealed to him. He listened to the Father, and then he went out to speak on behalf of the Father. It was out of his life of being blessed by the Father that he went out and blessed others. In fact, he did that all the way. Sometimes he was up way early in the morning, Sometimes he was up, you know, doing that at noon. He prayed before he was actually going to bless someone in some activity or some miracle. In fact, the scriptures tells us that sometimes he almost stayed all night in prayer. He's blessing spiritually lost people even now because he's still praying, hearing from the Father and interceding. Romans 8 tells us that. So if Jesus in his human nature had to listen to the Lord and bless people and then pray to them after hearing from God, how much more do we have to? Because prayer is two-way communication between God and us. It just is. God speaks and we listen. Then we pray and God hears. Sometimes we think that prayer, we just get in there and we just start going at it. And I do that sometimes too, right? We all do that occasionally. But as we grow in prayer, the better thing is to get quiet before God, spend time in His Word, and during our time with Him, we listen to what is He saying to us, and He will speak. It's just dynamic. Uh, Some authors talk about it like breathing. We inhale by hearing God from His Word and by His Spirit, and then we exhale in prayer for other people, and it's the wonderful rhythm that we do as followers of Jesus and being used by Him. He actually does. He speaks to us primarily through his word. He speaks also by his spirit. He'll give us a thought, a word, a picture in our mind, a dream. And as we abide in him, that stay connected in obedience to the word of God, we position ourselves to be tuned in to hear what he's saying. And then we can receive his thoughts and impressions and promptings. So we respond to what he says to us and we put that into play through prayer. And then what we do is we listen. Well, God will give us ideas. Do you believe that? Do you believe this? You go to bless other people and spend time and listen to the Lord, that he'll actually speak to you and give you ideas of what to do? I believe that. He'll tell us and speak to us about people, opportunities to connect, what to ask, when to listen, when to eat with them, when to discern ways, how to discern ways they need serving, what to share, how to share God's story, when to be quiet. It all starts when we begin to pray.
by listening to the Lord and then responding and praying for the people. You see, our prayer is critical to blessing other people. And it's, accent, and it's absolutely not only critical for us in our carrying out our ministry and mission, but it's essential for the people whom we're trying to bless. The first thing is that prayer invokes God's presence within you and I, the believer, to enable effectiveness as we are in mission for him. He gives us his heart. That is, he gives us love. We see and feel what God sees and feels for those outside of his family. We regain and grow care and concern or a burden for people who don't know God. As we learned already, he, I mean, spending time in prayer, he actually, through prayer, actually so much happens in our character as we are changed. We are sanctified. We must be good news before we actually share good news, where he gives integrity to the gospel. But in prayer, the Spirit speaks to us. We ask us, search me, O God, and show me where am I out of alignment with you? And he'll do it. And in prayer, he speaks, convicts, leads us in the right way. And then he gives leadership to us, where he speaks and leads and prompts to give us ideas of who, when, how, what, removes all of this stuff. So this is what God does on our part. It's so critical that we spend time listening and responding and praying because in that process, he works deeply in us, giving us his heart, changing our character, and leading us in how we ought to bless other people. And then, for those who are the explorers, it's absolutely critical for them, because through prayer, God imparts his love, his revelation, and his conviction for their salvation. The Father's loving kindness, the Bible says, leads us to repentance. And so God reveals his heart and his love to them, his unconditional pursuing love and compassion. It's through prayer as we pray for them that they're actually open to understand how many times in the New Testament it says that he opened their mind to the Scriptures. The illuminating process where God turns the lights on, helps him, he reveals himself, he reveals the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. This is talking about his word and his truth. And then he convicts them, that is, he convinces or illuminates and opens their, not just mind, but their will and their heart to believe. Oh, that comes about through prayer, not by arguing someone into the kingdom. So, in these ways, we we bless people and we have influence. Now, they may choose to reject or refuse what God is doing, but trust me, God is doing his part when we pray. My brother stiff-armed God for 24 years. There were times that he would talk to me and he would tell me things that God was trying to do in his heart and he would stiff-arm God and turn away. God always does his part. Sometimes we fight him. We don't respond to him. I read this uh, quote from Corrie Ten Boom. She was a Holocaust survivor, and she was treated horribly by the guards in that Nazi camp. And here's what she wrote. She said, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. God is so creative in how he answers our prayers, and he does things sometimes he wouldn't have thought of. But the startling truth is he will so often use us in his plan. When you pray for someone, 
You just got to be just as willing to be part of that answer that God wants to give to that person. I remember years ago I read something where one author said, one reason why some prayers take so long to be answered is because it takes God that long to find a willing Christian. You see, it can significantly motivate us to bless people in even more ways when we are praying for them and then God helps us or shows us how to get involved. Now we've got a vested interest. We get to actually be a part of the answer. Maybe not the whole one, but a part of it. You know how excited I am that I get to be a part of the spiritual journey of some of the people that I know that don't know God, like Big Mike? The number of significant conversations that I've had with him this year have been amazing. And I just get motivated. I get to be a part, not the whole thing, but a part of that answer. What if instead of waiting for God to grab our attention, we were more intentional about giving our attention to him to be used? And I believe that. God speaks all the time to us about this stuff, wanting to use us, but the problem is we only listen some of the time. So, many don't bless others in prayer. Some say they don't know how. And if that's an issue... If they're unsure, never been taught, then we have to be willing to learn and teach them how to pray. Some people say, but they don't have time. They're too busy to pray. Yeah, it takes time, energy, and focus. Many people say they just don't have that kind of time. Some people don't believe prayer works. They've tried it, and they haven't seen answers, and they go, I don't know. They're disappointed and doubtful. But I just got to say, without prayer, our effectiveness to bless others, it begins to wane. It really does. And over time, it just becomes less. So, here's a very practical thing I'd love to you to do. If you take notes, or if you got something to write down, if you want to do it on your phone or find something like that, if you want, maybe uh, uh, Amy or, or Mac, we could put something like this online, we could download. It's very simple. Just make a little, you can even do a, a tic-tac-toe kind of box or some sort of creative thing. Put yourself in the middle. Not because you're more important. It's just this is in your web of influence. If you have a place, just try this. And it's a very practical way where you can start to be a blessing to other people. Just begin to pray. Maybe you can't fill in names right now. That's okay. Just start praying, God, who would you have me bless? Not convert, bless. Who do you want me to bless? And just pray. And suddenly, you know what? A name will come to you, or a face you'll see. Or God will start bringing by a person right across your path, and you're going, oh, could this be an answer to my prayer? And you just begin to ask the Lord who's in your orbit, who's in your sphere of influence that he'd like you to be praying for. Could be in your neighborhood, around your house. Maybe that doesn't work. Maybe there's people around your office. Or you could take them from different places because different people are, you know, you have connection with. Maybe on a team, in your friendship circle, on your family, in, in your family, on a school ground, or you're getting the same treatments at a doctor. But you just ask them, and I started to write down some names and trusting God for. 
And you begin to listen to how God can use you to bless them, not convert them, to connect with them. Watch a game. Mike asked me just a couple of days ago, hey, can you leave come over for supper or for, for coffee? I said, yep. Why, he's on my, I want to bless him. I just want to be with him. Watch a game, go shop, eat, ask a question, listen intently, eat some more, shoot the breeze, go for a walk, throw a ball, play golf or tennis or do some act of kindness, walk the dogs, listen more, eat more, serve a need. And as you get a thought or idea or a word or a verse, make it, just make it a point to take a step of faith. Blessing people isn't a race. It's not linear. It's just habits we begin to build into our lives. Nor, you know, is it always neat and tidy. Sometimes there were times with, with my friend Mike where it was like three steps forward and all of a sudden it was five steps back. I remember one time I took him and I invited him to go watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And me and Mike sat there and I, I told him what it was all about. We sat in the theater in Newmarket and he got up out of his seat when it was over. He walked all the way to his van halfway across the parking lot. And we sat in his van. He did not speak for at least two minutes. It felt like 30. And as he hung his head, all he said was this. I don't deserve that. And I said, that's how much he loves you, Mike. He drove home without saying another word. And then he went into hiding for like six months. Wouldn't, wouldn't talk to me, avoided me. That's the way it is sometimes. It's not linear. But you just love people. Do stuff together. And in the process, God is going to use us to bless others. Because he cares. He doesn't want any to perish. Leave the converting to him. Just bless and love people. So to this end, Paul said, we always pray for you that God may make you worthy of his calling. There's the character piece. And may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith. Every time you do something, he'll do it by his power. Why? Why will he do this? So that the name of the Lord Jesus would be glorified in you and you in him. According to the grace of our God, Friends, we bless people by being in prayer for them. Maybe some of us just need to make it on this first day in this new facility. Let's just say, brand new start. Don't beat yourself up. Don't get all guilty. Just say, hey, fresh start. I'm going to start to bless people, but I'm going to begin praying first. And I'll do what the Lord says. And I'll bless whoever he shows me. And remember, just bless them. But pray. Amen? Amen.